is happening, everybody? It's time for another episode of Logan's Lowdown. What a great episode I've got for you guys today. Happy Monday, everyone. This is episode 315 of Logan's Lowdown, and I'm your host, Logan, and it's great to be back in your ears. A couple of things before we really get going today. Follow the show on Instagram at Logan's Lowdown. Follow me on Letterboxd at LoganLewis96. Follow me on Twitter at Logan Lowdown. And TikTok at Logan's Lowdown. If you like what you hear, please do me a favor and send this to one movie and TV loving friend just like yourself, somebody that you already discuss your love of TV and movies with, someone that would enjoy this podcast. If you're new to Logan's Lowdown, let me tell you how the show works. Most of the content will be the weekly entertainment update that drops every Monday. That's today. These shows follow this format. We do an intro, just like this one, and then we do a couple of subtopics of news or conversation, followed by a few main topics, usually That is a review, trailer breakdown, ranked list, a combination of the three, or something else. Let's get right into things today because we are doing a lot of talking today. All right, first up, we have, uh, we discussed this not too long ago, but we finally have uh, the casting choice for Michael Jackson in the Michael Jackson biopic. Here we are. Uh, This is coming to us from The Hollywood Reporter, Michael Jackson's nephew, Jafar Jackson, to play him in biopic. Michael Jackson's nephew, Jafar Jackson, will play him in the biopic about the singer's life. Lionsgate is behind the project titled Michael, which will be directed by Antoine Fuqua, who shared the news on Instagram. Graham King, a seasoned hand at biopics with the Oscar-winning Queen film Bohemian Rhapsody under his belt, is producing alongside with John Branca and John McClain, who are co-executors of the Michael Jackson estate. John Logan, who penned Gladiator and The Aviator, wrote the script. Jackson, who won 13 Grammys and rose from child stardom, child stardom in the Jackson 5 to become the biggest pop star in the world, died in 2009 at the age of 50. Going on Do Not Disturb here, in case you heard that dinging. According to Lionsgate, the film will address all aspects of Jackson's life, though it is unclear how it will address many of the controversies involving the late music icon, given that the biopic is being made in conjunction with his estate, which has defended him against accusations of sexually abusing children. Those accusations were returned to the public discourse thanks to the 2019 HBO documentary Leaving Netherland. Jafar embodies my son. It's so wonderful to see him carry on the Jackson legacy of entertainers and performers, said Catherine Jackson, mother of Michael Jackson. Jafar Jackson is the son of Michael's brother, Jermaine Jackson, and is a budding singer who released his debut single, Got Me Singing, in 2019. I met Jafar over two years ago and was blown away by the way he organically personifies the spirit and personality of Michael, said the king. It was something so powerful that even after conducting a worldwide search, it was clear that he is the only person to take on the role. I am beyond thrilled that he has come to on board to portray his uncle and cannot wait for the world to see him on the big screen as Michael Jackson. Michael will begin filming in 2023. 
So that is just an update on the story that we covered just a couple weeks ago talking about Michael Jack. Listen, this is a good decision, uh, keeping somebody in the family to play him. It's a risk. I can't wait to see how they address the controversy, if at all. I'm sure they will because it is a biopic. Uh, so it's got to break down his life. Even if they don't even, if they don't get into the controversy, at least have them, you know, uh, at least have them address it and, and, you know, show some media coverage of of the incidents and and, and whatnot. But we'll have to see how that goes in, uh, I assume 2024, early 2024, we'll get a a release date for this. I I assume this will come out in like spring of 24. So next up, we have a uh, another streaming service is born. Um, however, it's a little different. Showtime and Paramount Plus are merging with a rebrand planned. Uh, this is also from The Hollywood Reporter. Alrighty here, Paramount is making a major change to its linear and streaming businesses, merging Paramount Plus and Showtime in both areas. In connection with the changes, executives warned of likely layoffs and changes to programming to follow in the coming weeks. Paramount CEO Bob Backish announced the move in a memo to staff Monday afternoon confirming rumors that have been brewing for some time. For starters, both the Showtime linear pay TV channel with the premium tier of Paramount Plus will be raised rebranded as Paramount Plus with Showtime, with Chris McCarthy to lead the Showtime studio and linear channel and Tom Ryan overseeing the streaming business. Backish added that the changes will also, quote, unlock operational efficiencies and financial benefits for the company. Quote, While we are confident this is the right move for our company, our consumers, and our partners, we know this change brings uncertainty for the teams working on these brands and businesses. We are committed to being as transparent and as thoughtful as possible through the process, and we expect to share additional details in the coming weeks. In other words, there will be cuts associated with the merge, with the details still to be determined. Other changes like the pricing and plan for merging accounts for people with both Showtime and Paramount Plus will also come in a few weeks. Another area that we will see notable changes is in its programming. In a memo of his own, McCarthy touted the complementary audiences of Showtime and Paramount Plus while adding that the company plans to lean into shows that tightly associated with Showtime's brand strengths and content filters, calling out programs like Yellow Jackets, Billions, Dexter, and The Chai. Quote, to do this, we will divert investment away from the areas that we are underperforming and to that account for less than 10% of our views. We have already begun conversations with our production partners about what content makes sense moving forward and which shows have franchise potential. So Showtime shows that aren't deemed core to those strengths may get the boot. On Monday, the first three shows to face the axe were reviewed by the were revealed by the channel with scripted dramas, Let the Right One In, American... Gigolo getting cancelled and the Shailene Woodley led adaptation of Three Women no longer moving forward at the premium cable network the latter series which has already become which has already completed production is being shopped to other outlets and here I can read you the exact uh, memo as well team 
Almost one year ago, we announced that Viacom CBS will become Paramount, harnessing the power of our combined portfolio to become one integrated company. Since then, I have been tremendously proud of the many ways we have worked together across platforms, brands, and continents to consistently deliver as global leaders in the future of entertainment. In that same spirit, I'm thrilled to share the next step in our company's evolution. Today, we're announcing that we will be fully integrating Showtime into Paramount Plus across both streaming and linear platforms later this year, providing even more popular franchises and hit originals for viewers to enjoy. To reflect the change, both our premium streaming tier on Paramount Plus and Showtime linear network will become Paramount with Showtime in the U.S., Showtime has captivated audiences for decades with ambitions, ambitious original series that defined premium content and fandom. Its name will always stand for critically acclaimed groundbreaking entertainment and creative excellence. Now with Showtime's content integrated into our flagship streaming service and select Paramount Plus originals joining the linear offering, Paramount Plus will become the definitive multi-platform brand in the streaming space and the first of its kind to integrate streaming and linear content in this way. This new combined offering demonstrates how we can leverage our entire collection of content to drive deeper connections with the consumers and greater value for our distribution partners. This change will also drive stronger alignment across our domestic and international Paramount Plus offerings as international Paramount Plus already includes Showtime content. And very importantly, this integration will unlock operational efficiencies and financial benefits across our broader portfolio. Chris McCarthy will continue to lead the Showtime studio and oversee the network operations for the Linear Channel. In tandem, he will work closely with Tom Ryan, who will oversee the Paramount Plus with Showtime streaming business. While we are confident that this is the right move for our company, our consumers, and partners. We know this change brings uncertainty for the teams working on these brands and businesses. We are committed to being as transparent and thoughtful as possible throughout. There are many benefits... There are many benefits for Paramount Plus and Showtime on both the streaming and network size in three key areas. Number one, complementary and differential brands. Number two, redirecting increased investment into Showtime strengths, and number three, integrated platform, greater focus on content. I am sure you have lots of questions, to th- and to that end, we are planning a town hall in LA the week of February 23rd to go into the details and the highlights, which will include uh, all of this. So, thank you for always, uh, for all that you do, best, Bob. So that is the big news. Showtime and Paramount Plus joining forces. So, um, yeah, big deal there. Good stuff. Uh, Let's just keep narrowing down the options, man. I've already got Paramount Plus. So does that mean I'm about to get Showtime? Uh, We'll see. The next one is a story that has been sweeping the nation and the world, really, uh, for the past week. And that is the news of Netflix planning to end password sharing for good. I have an article from the Washington Post that uh, is all of the sudden telling me I can't read it. So that's awesome. So let's find a new article that will uh, that will do this for us. Let's see. So this is live. Uh, thanks, Washington Post, for telling me I can't read all of a sudden. Uh, 
love that. Love that that happens. Uh, yeah, great content here, folks. Great content here. All right, how about CBS News? How will Netflix stop you from sharing your password? Netflix plans to start cracking down on subscribers in the U.S. who share their password for the streaming service by the end of March, but how exactly will that work? Initial reports and trials in other countries suggest the effort to deter password sharing will be relatively gentle in its first iteration. Jesus, I hate these websites, man. Relying on a combination of technology and user consciousness to probe serial oversharers into paying more for the privilege. Netflix will likely use a person's geographic location as determined by the IP address of any internet-connected device to figure out which people count as, quote, household members who live together, insider reporter Sarah Sarah tells CBS News. Alrighty here. So, essentially, this is bullshit. Bullshit article. But all you have to know, really, here is that Netflix is going to do this. They, they they revealed something. Uh, here we go. Vultures got it for us here. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Quote, for a brief time on Tuesday, this is from the Vulture. For a brief time on Tuesday, the Help Center article containing information that is only applicable to Chile, Costa Rica, and Peru went live in other countries, said Netflix's communications director. We have since updated it. The mistaken update put the rules on support pages worldwide, leading users to believe that Netflix was rolling out its stricter login practices across the board ASAP. These include forcing users to verify their home streaming devices every 31 days and streaming devices they travel with on seven-day intervals. If you pop open the rules for the three Latin American markets where the measures are in play, that language remains. And they're a signal that changes are coming. The U.S. and other markets will still have to wait a while for them. They pointed out uh, to what company shared on its latest earnings call in January. Later in Q1, we expect to start rolling out paid sharing more broadly. Here's what you can expect. Number one, giving your login to people outside your home is officially no bueno. Number two, Expect to verify your devices. Number three, traveling with Netflix will only slightly suck. Number four, Netflix will be watching you more closely to your IP address. So that's all the news there. I'm, I'm pissed that, that that worked out that way. So I'm just going to move on past it. Uh, fuck you, uh, whatever your name is, Washington Post. Thanks a lot for the derailing of that segment. But this segment is the one that I have been wanting to talk about for Many, many months now. So might as well just take a big-ass swig of water because the Hollywood Reporter's coming through for us. Oh, boy. Here we are, folks. DC Slate Unveiled. New Batman, Supergirl movies, a Green Lantern TV show, and more from James Gunn and Peter Safran. Alrighty, guys. So buckle up. I'm going to be doing some reading here. So, uh, if you're interested, these are all of the details. It's a few scrolls down. So, again, just bear with me, please. A new Batman movie without Robert Pattinson. A Superman movie on the release schedule. A Game of Thrones-style drama set on Wonder Woman's home island of Femiriskira. 
can't pronounce that, and an animated series already in production. That's just part of what will be coming to theaters and TV screens as part is DC Studios bosses James Gunn and Peter Safran's new slate. The pair have been busy in the three months since taking over and combining the film and television slate of DC properties, including live action and animation, as well as gaming. They revamped the way that movie and TV sides do business, cutting ties with projects and creators. A writer's room was formed to find an overall story that will launch a unified DC universe. Creators have been approached and a plan, at least part of one, for what is being billed as Chapter 1, Gods and Monsters, was formulated and a slate of projects put into development. Now, after ambitiously promising fans that they would have something to show by February 1st, Gunn and Saffron have unveiled the first part of their slate. It's a combination of big, well-known heroes as well as lesser-known characters, which may just become big like the once-obscure heroes of Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy films over at Marvel Studios. The duo shared their plans Monday with reporters in a petite and tidy screening room at the Warner Brothers lot in Burbank. Quote, from Gunn. One of our strategies is to take our diamond characters, which is Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, and we will use them to prop up other characters that people don't know. Added from Saffron, to build those lesser-known properties into the diamond properties of tomorrow. While plans yet may yet shift, cautioned the duo, here is the initial slate of projects for Chapter 1 in the order they're planned to appear. So, here we have the slate. Creature Commandos, a seven-episode animated series written by Gunn that is already in production. Originally a team of classic monsters assembled to fight Nazis, this is a modern take on the concept. The voice actors have yet to be cast, but the executives are looking to find people who can voice the animated characters and also portray the live-action versions when the anti-heroes show up in the movies and series. Waller. In a spin-off of Gunn's own HBO Max hit series Peacemaker, Viola Davis will return as the ruthless and, mora- and morally ambiguous head of government task force. It is being written by Crystal Henry from Watchmen and Jeremy Carver, the creator of the Doom Patrol TV series. Superman Legacy. So, sorry, I'll, I'll break it down here. Creature Commandos is going to be a series. Waller will be a series. But the first movie that's planned is Superman Legacy. The movie featuring the Man of Steel that Gunn is writing and may direct, although no commitments on the end have been made. While the two previous titles are meant to be uh, aperitifs, aperitifs? I don't know. In Saffron's words, Superman is the true kickoff for the duo's DCU plans. It's not an origin story, Saffron said. It focuses on Superman balancing his Kryptonian heritage with his human upbringing. He is the embodiment of truth, justice, and the American way. He is kindness in a world that thinks kindness is old-fashioned. A release date of July 11th, 2025 has been penciled in. Next up, Lanterns. Greg Berlanti's Long in the works, Green Lantern's TV series has been scrapped. In its place will be a new take on the space cops with the power rings. Quote, our vision for this is a very much in the vein of True Detective, Saffron described. It's it's terrestrial based. It will feature a prominent Lantern heroes, Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart, and it's one of the most important shows they have in development. 
This really plays a big role into leading into the main story we are telling across TV and film. That is a series that is for HBO Max. Next up here, goodness gracious, The Hollywood Reporter is glitching on me. Um, the Authority, a movie based on a team of superheroes with rather extreme methods of protecting the planet that first originated in the late 1990s under an influential imprint known as Wildstorm, run by artist and now head of DC publishing Jim Lee. Quote, one of the things that the DCU is not just a story of heroes and villains. Not every film and TV show is going to be out the, about the good guy versus the bad guy. Giant things from the sky come and good guy wins. There are white hats, black hats, and gray hats, added Saffron. They are kind of like Jack Nicholson and a few good men. They know that you want them on the wall, or at least they believe that. And that is also a movie. Paradise Lost, the duo describes this as HBO Max series of a Game of Thrones style drama set on the all-female island that is Wonder Woman's birthplace, filled with political intrigue and scheming between power players. It takes place before the events of the Wonder Woman films. Not sure if that means that they're canon or not. Uh, in this new universe, we'll see. Next up, The Brave and the Bold. This is the introduction of the DCU Batman of said gun of Bruce Wayne and also introduces our favorite Robin Damian Wayne, who is the little son of a bitch <laughs> who is a little son of a bitch. The movie will take inspiration from the now classic Batman run written by Grant Morrison that introduced Batman to a son. He never knew existed a murderous tween raised by assassins. It's a very strange father son story. And importantly, it will feature a Batman played not by Robert Pattinson. However, there is also the Batman sequel. Pattinson will continue to portray the Dark Knight in at least one more crime saga movie directed by Matt Reeves. That movie, the executives revealed, will be released October 3rd, 2025 and is being titled The Batman Part 2. 2025 is going to be a very big year for DC, crowded Saffron. Superman and Batman within the same year. Next up. Booster Gold, an HBO Max series based on a unique, lesser-known hero created in 1986. Saffron said the series is about a loser from the future who uses basic future technology to come back to today and pretend to be a superhero. Gunn described it as an imposter syndrome as a superhero. Next up. Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, taking its cues from the most recent Tom King written miniseries, the movie promises a different take on what most think of when Superman's cousin comes to mind. Quote, we will see the difference between Superman, who was sent to Earth and raised by loving parents from the time he was an infant, versus Supergirl, raised on a rock, a chip off of Krypton, who watched everyone around her die and to be killed in terrible ways for the first 14 years of her life and then come to Earth. She is so much hardcore, so much more hardcore and not the Supergirl we're used to. And last up, Swamp Thing, a horror film that promises to close out the first part of the first chapter. And before I read you more, we gotta wait for The Hollywood Reporter to load, which just, you know, fantastic shit. I love, I love when this stuff happens, especially while we're recording. That, that makes it even better, honestly. And all the pop-up ads, Making me lose my place. Fantastic. Okay. So here we go. To come up with more... 
to come up with an overall direction of the slate, Gunn assembled a group of writers consisting of friends and storytellers that he admired. Among them were the Martian scribe Drew Goddard, the Flash writer Christina Hodson, Moon Knight head writer Jeremy Slater, Watchmen writer Crystal Henry, and famed comic book scribe Tom King. King is one of the biggest DC writers of the past 12 years, a key architect of its Batman line, and writer of the Supergirl miniseries will be, will, that will be the basis of the movie movie before audiences get to see those films and series however there is a matter of this year's crop of movies starting with shazam fury the gods coming march 17th and continuing with the flash june 16th blue beetle august 18th and aquaman and the last kingdom december 25th gun and saffron are high on the quartet which made under the previous film regime and the old DC films run by a formal he- former head Walter Hamada. Gunn calls The Flash, directed by Andy Muschietti from It, see, what the fuck, probably one of the greatest superhero movies ever made. He also said the four leads of those films could potentially return to their roles in the DCU projects down the line. Quote, there is nothing that prohibits that from happening, said Gunn. Among those actors, actors is Ezra Miller, the troubled star of The Flash, who has found themselves at the center of several criminal investigations. They pleaded guilty to trespassing earlier this month, and who in August announced they were seeking treatment for complex mental health issues. Saffron said the executives remain hopeful Miller is on the path to betterment. Quote, Ezra is completely committed to their recovery. We are fully supportive of that journey they are on right now. When the time is right, when they are ready to have that discussion, we will figure out all what the best past the best path forward. But for now, they are completely focused on their recovery. And in our conversation with them in the last couple of months, it feels like they are making enormous progress. The duo also discussed their approach to casting writ large whether was returning or new actors. The TV series will look to cast actors who will also play their parts on the big screen. Just as John Cena, who played the violent figure Peacemaker in Guns the Suicide Squad, then in the Peacemaker series, anyone cast Hal Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart in Lanterns would then cross over into films, of course. We don't want the series to feel in any way like stepchildren or lesser than, said Gunn. It's just another way to tell the story. And we took on the touchy subject of Henry Cavill tipped to return as Superman in a cameo in last year's Black Adam, but who in the end will not return as Superman, much to the uh, disapproval of a vocal fan base. Quote, we didn't fire Henry. Henry was just never cast, said Gunn. For me, it's about who do I want to cast as Superman and who do the filmmakers want to cast? And for me, for this story, it isn't Henry. He added, I like Henry. I think he's a great guy. I think he's getting dicked around a lot by a lot of people, including the former regime at this company. But this Superman is just not Henry for a number of reasons. The executives also tried to walk the line of how to deal with actors who step into the controversy with Shazam's Zachary Levi being the most recent example. Over the weekend, Levi tweeted words against the pharmaceutical giant Pfizer known for its COVID-19 vaccine, which many interrupted the actor as having... Uh, or sorry, many interpreted the actor as having anti-vaccine vaccine views. 
quote, actors, filmmakers that I work with are going to say things that I agree with and things that I don't agree with, said Gunn, who in 2018 was temporarily fired by Disney as a director of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 due to old offensive tweets. Quote, I can't be changing my plans all the time because an actor says something that I don't agree with. At the same token, if someone is doing something that is morally re... uh, you know what I'm trying to say, morally wrong, that's a different story, and we have to take that into account. Though Gunn and Saffron are working in one DC universe, some stories will stand apart. Matt Reeves' Batman movies and Todd Phillips' sequel to Joker will fall under a banner called DC Elseworlds, which will, just in the comics, fall outside the larger continuity of the DCU. The Black Superman project, being written by Todd Nehees Coates' under the previous regime, remains in active development and would also fall under that category. Teen Titans Go!, the popular and long-running cartoon series on Cartoon Network, also falls under that banner, the duo said. The bar is going to be very high for projects to be outside the DCU, the Elseworlds projects, explained Saffron, but every now and there, there will be something that lives up to that. Gunn and Saffron also stressed the importance of strong screenplays, saying that there is a focus that will prevent the dreaded feeling of superhero fatigue and also give the projects a tonal and thematic difference from each other. Gunn called out the degradation of screenwriters in Hollywood that said the duo wanted to be the respectful voice of filmmakers they were working with up to a point. Quote, it's not the Gunnverse. It's not. It's going to be all these different feels from all these different stories. That's what makes it so fun. The stories are completely different, and each has an individual expression of the writers and the director that are making those projects. We're not stupid. Not every filmmaker is going to be happy, because if somebody is doing something that isn't working, we're going to be honest with them, said Gunn. Again, again, (laughs) Hollywood Reporter, just lagging it up, man. This webpage is using significant energy. Closing it may improve the responsiveness of your Mac. Yeah, that's that's coming from a dude that uh that uh needs to get a Mac that has a higher processing power. Okay. Gunn and Saffron's hirings were the culmination of over a half-year quest by Warner Brothers Discovery CEO's David Zaslav to find someone to lead a screen diversion of DC division of DC. In his own words, Zaslav was looking for a Kevin Feige, the storied and successful head of rival Marvel Studios who has led the Disney-owned company to seemingly endless string of hits, all while telling a unified and interconnected story. Gunn became an A-list filmmaker under Feige, who hired him to direct 2014's Guardians of the Galaxy. But he was quick to note that this is not a Marvel redux. Quote, a lot of people are thinking this is Marvel 2.0. It's not. Quote, Zaslav had a vision in mind for, of a standalone studio that would have everything DC centralized, Saffron said. And that was the appeal for us, coming in and having access to any character, any story, and to tell the stories we wanted to tell across all mediums. As Gunn said, quote, the history of DC is pretty messed up, referring to the turmoil and disconnectivity that has roiled and foiled Warner Brothers Pictures' plans for the comic book properties over the last dozen years or so. There was filmmaker Zack Snyder's multi-movie universe sputtered halfway through. There was an attempted course correction by Joss Whedon that maybe made things worse. There were also several changes in studio leadership and ownership, and there was the Arrowverse, the successful, if niche, TV side of DC that aired for over a decade on the CW. 
Quote, nobody's mind, no one was minding the mint, said Gunn. They were giving away IP like they were party favors at any creator who smiled at them. For Gunn, being handed the keys to a comic book universe is something somewhat out of a childhood dream. Growing up in St. Louis, Gunn described himself as a lost, screwed-up kid who didn't feel like he belonged. His father and mother were so concerned they sent him to a psychiatrist who advised them to take interest in his interest, which happened to be reading, writing, and drawing comic books. In one attempt at connecting, Gunn's father took him to Creation Comic Con, a big comic convention in Chicago. It remains the best weekend he's ever had, a time that solidified a magic and connection to the medium and its colorful characters. Gunn now wants to bring that magic and connection to the movie-going and TV-watching audiences by revamping DC Studios in a way that hasn't been done before. Quote, I have an incredibly deep connection to these characters, to these stories, and to wanting to create that type of magic that not only in the kid that I was, but in the connection that I had with my father with friends later on. And wanting to create a unified world where DC, in DC where we tell stories. In the end... Both Gunn and Safran know not only what's at stake, but also the enormous opportunity presented to them. For Safran, it's the chance to impact and change the culture, but be it the company culture as how it approaches storytelling to the broader popular culture. Gunn lit up in giddiness at the pure magic of it all. Quote, this is not only a once in a lifetime opportunity, it's a once opportunity. It's me. Now, no one has ever gotten to do this before. And how could I say no to that? And that is the full report from the Hollywood Reporter on the changes in the DC universe. Let me know what you guys think about this. I think it's incredibly exciting. And I think uh, we're going to have a lot of great treats coming soon. For the last topic of the day, it is time for me to review a new film, a 2023 film, and that is Knock at the Cabin. Some information about Knock at the Cabin. Knock at the Cabin is a 2023 horror thriller directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Its tagline is, Save your family or save humanity. Make the choice. While vacationing at a remote cabin, a young girl and her parents are taken hostage by four armed strangers who demand that the family make an unthinkable choice to avert the apocalypse. With limited access to the outside world, the family must decide what they believe before it's all lost. This movie stars Dave Bautista, Abby Quinn, Rupert Grint, Jonathan Groff, Ben Aldridge, and many more. Its average review on Letterboxd out of 35,000 ratings is a 3.18 out of 5 stars. Myself, I gave it a 3.5 out of 5 stars. Uh, I gave it a solid 83 out of 100. And I'm going to read you my review for the movie now. And then I will expand if need be. I haven't seen a ton of M. Night Shyamalan movies. They are on the list, so I only have a few comparisons to go off of here. The cinematography on this movie was great. There were a lot of really cool shots, and I think that uh, Shyamalan had a lot of fun filming this movie. Let's talk about Dave Bautista. The man can act. He's not only a superhero in Marvel, but he can actually act. I was really impressed with his performance, as well as the rest of the cast here, along with Jonathan Groff as well. In terms of the plot, the trailers did a good job not showing a lot. There's a ton, yet at the same time, not very much that goes in on this movie. It really only has one setting, and I like that a lot. It's very easy to understand. 
I don't know if this is something that you need to rush out and see in the theaters right away, but the performances, the easy-to-follow plot, made it a good time at the movies. Three and a half out of five stars, 83 out of 100. Ironically, I also watched this week, and that's the end of the review. I also watched uh, The Cabin in the Woods, which had a loosely similar plot, not completely. Uh, no spoilers, of course, to Knack at the Cabin, but I, I, I do think that uh, it's, it's just a funny coincidence that I watched them both this weekend. So, I like this movie a lot. I had a great time watching it. Um, I, I do think that there are going to be people, there are going to be people that think this movie is stupid. Um, especially the whole apocalypse element. I mean, apocalypse is a fun, popular term that we use in our TV and movies right now, especially with like the last of us that's post apocalyptic. Uh, but I I was just wildly impressed with this movie. Uh, Dave Batista, man, that's, that's all you really got to know. I don't have to go into this too much, but Dave Batista really killed it, man. I, I think that the movie did a really good job at giving him some time to shine. I think he's going to be making a lot of moves now that his time at Marvel is seemingly done, of course. Of, he's made a lot of comments recently about how Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is his last outing as Drax. So, uh, you know, we'll see. We will see. Uh, but yeah, Cabin in the Woods, uh, or I'm sorry, Knock at the Cabin, it is only available in theaters, so if you do wish to see it, check it out in theaters. Uh, it's a great thriller horror. It's more thriller than horror, I would say. I wasn't really scared ever. Uh, there's gore, but it's very minimal. Uh, so if, if all that tickles your fancy, then maybe you should check out uh, Knock at the Cabin in theaters now. And that will wrap it up for this week's episode. If you have thoughts on this week's topics, you can do any or all of the following. Follow the show on Instagram at Logan's Lowdown, Letterboxd at Logan Lewis 96, Twitter at Logan Lowdown, and TikTok at Logan's Lowdown. If you like what you hear, send the show to one friend or family member with whom you go to the movies, someone you already enjoy talking about the fun and crazy entertainment world with. If you like written content, I write a bi-weekly newsletter entitled Logan's Lowdown as well, where I write about all things me. I give, my, I talk about my personal life, give full movie reviews, give streaming recommendations, what I've been watching lately, comics, Catherine's Corner, best meals, rankings, and more. Check it out for free. And that's the best part of it. It's free. Go to loganlewis.substack.com to read and subscribe. That newsletter drops every other Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And lastly, if you like the content I put out and you want more, there's always more. I do another weekly podcast with my two very good friends, Jordan and Matthew, which is called Guys on Tap. We discuss everything and anything while having a cold drink, and it's a ton of fun. That show is available anywhere you listen to this podcast as well, and their handles for Instagram are and TikTok are at guys on tap. Thank you very much, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.